wife Mary and I feel like we are family here. So uh, we've been here, I think, 16, 18 months, and uh, I'm glad we're part of the mix. We're not, we're not visiting any longer. We, are, we live here, we love it here, and uh, it's great to encourage people towards and for Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you. You're welcome. I love it too. Thanks. Um, I, do, I am going to launch uh, the title of today's message is It Is Written. I'm going to go into that, but before I do, I'm going to preface a little bit. Um, that is the title, and that can remain, but I, I felt like I wanted to share a couple thoughts. I did this in first service, and actually I was prompted last week, uh, driving on Main Street, thinking about this moment when I would be here, um, and I had a very strong impression, and I'll tell you where I was. You know where you are when you get prompts, and I got a prompt, and I was driving down Main Street through downtown, eastbound this direction, and I was going underneath the railroad tracks, that dip right there where you come back up, um, right in there, as I went underneath and came out the other side, I, I had three strong impressions, so strong that as I was driving, I pulled to the side near the deli in the dermatology area, pulled over to the side, got my phone, went to notes, and made some notes uh, based on this moment right now because I felt the Lord wanted me not just to bring this message, which we're going to look at, but to share what I'm about to say right now. I just really felt it on my heart. Um, I do want to say what Pastor Scott's been bringing, great stuff on baptism of the Holy Spirit, on, uh, the, uh, on seeking God. He gave us some great message on seeking God, seeking the face of God. Today, there'll just be some more continuity in that. So I want to acknowledge that. But this is what I got as I came underneath and pulled over to the side and started making some notes. There's some in, the, in our mix, and not limited to KCC, certainly in the body of Christ, that are dealing with or struggling with depression, fear. Um, recently, I spoke to the men on a Monday night, impurity, pornography. Um, men, some small percentage of women, unfortunately, also is happening. Uh, the body of Christ, the percentages in that realm are troubling. But as I was writing these things down and aware of those things that people are wrestling with, I felt the heart of God. It wasn't about condemnation. He says there is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. This wasn't about condemnation. It was about his love. I could feel his love. Even as I've prayed about this exact moment where I'm saying this, I felt the love of God. I was actually moved to tears where he wants us to be free. He doesn't want to wag his finger at us. He, doesn't, there's no con he wants to set us free. He wants to embrace us and cause us to get on the other side of this. And not limited to those three issues either. Whatever you might be struggling with, I really felt the heart of God saying, I want my people, I want all of us to be free, he says. And so keep that in mind as we go into this, because this really directs us towards freedom. But I want to encourage you, if any of those things are going on, today you'll hear yet another way that you can get free. You don't have to be in bondage to any of those things or whatever you might feel you're in bondage to. So I want to talk about that. Um, you know, depression, without going into it, and that's not what the message is about today, but for instance, since we were talking about that, it says in Isaiah 61 that for the spirit, can consider the word, for the spirit of heaviness, he gives us a garment of praise. And I, I want to say we were just praising up here, but it's not limited to Sunday for a few minutes. I mean, we can praise at home. We have options. We can put on praise in our home, praise in our car. We, we have opportunities to praise. I want to encourage us to be praising, to be praising. I'm not saying 
It has to be full 24-7. But especially if you're pushing something back that has gained way too much territory in your life, praise is one of the things that confounds that and drives it back. And I felt the Lord had impressed to encourage us to put on, think of it, putting on a garment of praise. We're not just listening for a moment. We're literally putting it on. And I know for people who struggle with depression that you're saying, you want me to sing? Well, in that case, it's called a sacrifice of praise. With such things, God is well pleased. And I'm telling you that if you stay in the mode where it's a little bit sacrificial, it won't be long before you break through and it's really that the, the garment of heaviness is off and the garment of praise on and it becomes easier. It really is liberating. It, there's a breakthrough. And also consider fear was the issue that you were struggling with. The Bible speaks, we've not been given a spirit of fear. The inference is that these things are spiritual in nature, but, but we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given a spirit of power and love and soundness of mind and self-control or self-discipline. That's another idea here, that we can be self-disciplined. I think so often in the midst of our busyness, it's easy to lock in on cruise mode and want to just chill, and I can appreciate that, but I think there are times we can be determined and deliberate, and it brings real breakthrough. Um, as I move, before I move into this, just one last thing I want to say. I, I said this earlier. We are not, we are not physical beings having a spiritual experience. And you might say, I feel physical. There's a lot of physical things I feel. I'm going to say this. I'm going to suggest to us, we're spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. Amen? I mean, in light of eternity. And I want to say this, eternity's on. We're in it right now. We're in eternity. It's on. So, so we, are, we are spiritual beings. Why do I reference that? Because I'm talking about spiritual things we're bumping up against. And we don't have to be victims of it. We are more than conquerors in Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Those are more than just little cute cliches. We're going to talk about the power of God's word. And so I want to encourage us. My aim this morning is encouragement. And I'm, I'm certain it's the Father's aim. And uh, so to that end, we will proceed ahead here. Um, Psalm 107.20 is our launching point today. <clears throat> and you're familiar with this word, I'm certain. He sent his word and healed us from all of our destructions is the way I have it. It might not be exactly like that there, but he sent his word and healed us and delivered us from all of our destructions. He sent his word. Um, we're talking about the theme this morning is the word of God. And by the way, not only is the theme the word, but the theme of the word. Would you agree with me? From the first letter of Genesis to the last letter of Revelation, the theme of the book is J-E-S-U-S. -S. He's the theme of the book. And so, um, and we know John 1 says, no PowerPoint for it, but just consider it with me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We know this about Jesus. And John 1.14, it goes on to say in the 14th verse, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. So not only do we have the word here, the word of God, but Jesus is the word. And um, in Revelation, it's, uh, it repeats it again. And his name is the word of God. So let's keep that in mind and look at Matthew 3. I'm in Matthew 3.16. I have a PowerPoint for it. I hope you have your Bibles as well. I'm reading Matthew 3.16 and 17 right here. This is the picture. You know, sometimes I refer to this as a photo album too. So 
In the photo album at Matthew 3, 16 and 17, there's a picture. Jesus was baptized. He came up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and, and lighting upon him. Okay, there's the first part. Jesus was baptized. Now, uh, and we want to see 17 because this is significant. 17 says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Now, that's, that's probably not foreign, that scripture there. We've certainly read it, but I want to talk about it for a minute. Jesus is, of course, our model. He was baptized. He came up out of the water. He heard a voice from heaven. And we hear a lot of voices, by the way. Would you not agree? We bump into a lot of voices from the moment we wake to the moment we sleep and sometimes while we're sleeping. There's a lot of voices we hear. The father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, then, and so in the photo album, as it were, we know that after Jesus was baptized, it says clearly, and the spirit lighted upon him. I really believe it's a picture of Holy Spirit baptism, even on Jesus right there. The Holy Spirit came and Jesus was beginning. It was a very Jewish thing to begin your ministry at age 30. That's when they began. The priest began age 30. Here he is age 30 getting baptized. Holy Spirit rests upon him, empowers him at another level with a greater measure to go out and begin ministering. And so he says, before I launch, I'm going to enter into fasting and prayer, 40 days of it, in fact. And it says then in the photo album, we turn the page in Matthew 4. It says he was in the desert. Let's look and see what Matthew 4, 1 through 4 says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. A couple of things there. One, hang on to that quote that Jesus made. Man doesn't live by bread alone. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm ready to have lunch. I haven't even really eaten yet today. There's the physical part of me that's hungry to be fed, but there's spiritual parts of us that need to be fed by more than bread alone. And it says that life comes from it. Man does not live by, it infers that there's life here. Man doesn't live by bread alone. I'd like to paraphrase it a bit. But man also lives, that spirit part of us I just talked about, lives by the word of God. That life comes from the word of God. It's fascinating. But before that, we hear that the enemy said, now what's the voice that was still echoing in Jesus' ear as he came up out of baptism water? The father of truth, our God, his father said, you're my son, and I'm well pleased with you. He barely gets the echo out of his ears, and the next voice he hears is, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. The, so we have the father of truth, our God, our father, speaking truth, and the father of lies doing what he does to so many of us, speaking lies. He's a liar, and I want us to remember that. We need to hear the voice of truth. Remember that great song years ago? I listened to the voice of truth, one of my favorites. I loved it. Because it also speaks about the way the, the voice of lying speaks to us. We shake off that lying voice. We tune into the voice of truth. And so, uh, but listen to how Jesus responded. And he modeled it for us. See, Adam and Eve, in the Bible calls, you know, we have Adam and Eve in the garden. They had the same kind of encounter. Remember, in the garden, did God really say? That was what they experienced. See, the same sort of thing. Did God really say? But the second Adam, the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. It kind of speaks of second chances, getting it right, modeled correctly. 
the second Adam modeled for us how we respond. He said, it is written. He didn't get into dialogue. They didn't get into deception. They didn't get into entertaining that other voice. Jesus answered with the word, the sword of the spirit. He answered with the word. He said, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I want to say that was a declaration. I want to talk about declarations today. I want to talk about decree, declaration, proclamation. And, and I, that'd be a good question to fill in the blank for any of us. What sorts of decrees, declarations, proclamations are we making? What sorts of things are we speaking? Are, are we even decreeing or being deliberate to speak or decree or declare anything? I mean, I don't even know if we're doing that or not, but if we're not, we can. And the Bible talks about what comes forth from being people of deliberate declarations and decrees and these sorts of things. And um, what really speaks of this well is Job 22. So if you have your Bibles, I'd ask that you'd go to Job 22. Let's look and see what the Word of God says in Job 22. We have a PowerPoint for it. Um, let's see what Job 22. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. I believe this is from the Amplified. So we'll look at it here. Job 22, 21 and 22. And we're going to read all the way down to 30. Now yield and submit yourself to him. Agree with God and be conformed to his will and be at peace. In this way you will prosper uh, and great and good will come to you. Please receive the law and instruction from his mouth, speaking of the word, and establish his words in your heart and keep them. We'll keep going. If you return to the Almighty and submit and humble yourself before him, you will be built up and restored. If you remove unrighteousness far from your tents and place your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks, considering it of little value and make the almighty your gold and your precious silver then i like that word as a consequence as a result because of then you will have delight in the almighty and you will lift up your face to god you will pray to him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows you will also decide and decree a thing and it will be established for you and the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. When you are cast down and humbled, you will speak with confidence and the humble person he will lift up and save. He will even rescue the one for whom you intercede who is not innocent and he will be rescued through the cleanness of your hands. Amen. That was a lot of text. But my goodness, there are some marvelous things written in there. I don't know if you caught some of that. Um, it says very clearly, first of all, it says acquaint yourself. In some versions, it, that launches out with acquaint. Seek, draw close. That's what Pastor Scott's been prompting us lately, seeking God. Let me just tell you, I feel like right now is a season for the body of Christ, not limited to KCC, but for Klamath Falls, the Klamath Basin, for Oregon, for the United States of America. We can't come to church, clock in, and think we're getting it done. I have to proceed with ball ballerina slippers and not baseball cleats. And you don't understand that, but I do. God's been speaking to me. He told me to be careful. But by the same token, to be encouraging. 
We can't keep doing business as we have been and expect there to be breakthroughs. We're in a very interesting hour and season, and I don't know that we're ever going to go back to 1954 when everything was so cool. And by the way, I wasn't born yet, so I'm not that old. But my point is, I'm just picking a random time. There was a different time in our land, right? Things were different. We're, we're at 2021. Things are, and, and I feel like when I came down underneath that underpass and pulled over, God's heart was saying, things have to be different. It's what Scott has been, Pastor Scott's been preaching. You need to seek God's face. Seek for the Holy Spirit empowerment and release from your life. Because the way things are now and the way things may become, who knows what that looks like. God knows, and he's telling us, as, as his children, I could feel his heart the other day. Please do business differently. There's more you can do and greater freedom you can experience. And he wants that for us. Amen. And so did anybody give me an amen back on that? Okay. I just wondered, I want to, I want to connect with you here. So here's all these marvelous ideas that launch from Job. And he talked about gold. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with prosperity. In fact, I believe for prosperity. I pray for prosperity. One of the decrees I make is that my wife and I would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. I mean, that's more than just an idea in 3 John 2. That's a living word. And quite often, almost daily, I'll say that, among many other decrees. Lord, I pray that my wife and I would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. So there's nothing wrong with gold or silver. I think what he's saying is, reprioritize if you need to. How are you leaning? How are you bent? What's your inclination? And make sure as you're leaning towards thing that God and the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Word of God and the body of Christ, these things are shuffled in the correct order and let these other things fall in after where they may. And this is how the Lord speaks to us about these sorts of things. And, uh, and it says, He will hear you. God will hear us when we pray. And then it says in verse 28, which was fascinating, you will decree, declare, proclaim, and speak forth a thing, and it shall be established for you. I don't know. You will decree a thing. You will also decide and decree a thing, and it will be established for you. I guess I want to encourage us. Start decreeing. Start declaring. Start proclaiming. I mean, if you go to Genesis in the first chapter, the way this whole thing got set in motion was God was speaking and it was, and he modeled for us. I mean, Jesus taught us this in the New Testament. If there's a mountain there, speak to it. And then Jesus, with his disciples, walked by a fig tree. And I, I mean, I've thought about this before, have you? If we were walking with him at that moment, and he stopped and he started speaking to a tree. But look at the consequences. of So we speak to mountains. We speak to things that are, that are blockages, hindrances, obstructions, bondages. I'm telling you, it's God, it's not really me telling you, I'm just reminding us as what God has told us, one of the ways, yet one of the many ways that we can experience freedom. And we decree a thing, we decree a thing, and it will be established for us. And then it goes on in verse 30. If we could get the uh, 2230 or some part of it there. Look at, look at 30 where it says, he who, that's a capital H, and it's not just because it's the beginning of a sentence. Right? He will even rescue, God, God will even rescue the one for whom you intercede who is not innocent and he or they will be rescued through the cleanness of your hands. I don't know about you, that excites me. 
That's in God's word. That's very exciting to me. That tells me if there, and let me just pose it. Let me, it's not just about me telling you my experience. I'm posing it before you. Are there loved ones in your mix that aren't where they need to be with God and your heart's desire is that they would be? It must be the case. There are certainly people we're contending for. And that word tells us if you pray on their behalf, not because they're worthy of it yet where they are, but because you're in right standing with me, I'll hear your prayer on their behalf and see to it based on it is written that at some juncture they'll be where you find yourself in me. Come on. That's exciting. I don't know. I mean, I'm blessed by that. So much so, so much so that it's not just me being stirred. I'm not, I don't want to just be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer also. So much so that I'm practicing it. How about you? I'm practicing that. There are people every day that I insert in that promise that are loved ones close to me. And so it's very exciting, very intriguing. I want to encourage you to that end as well. So let me do a quick review and a reminder of God's word. When we decree, we decree things in general, but we can also decree God's word. We can decree good things in general, just make positive declarations, and that's fine. But when we decree God's word, boy, the power of a declaration plus the word of God equals breakthrough, equals answer. It's an equation that works. It's God's word for us. We put it into activity. I was thinking about this, and I realized... You know, everything we're talking about, they're passages. I mean, you've heard it before. Am I not correct? These are called passages. These are passages of Scripture. I love that idea. What's a passage? You enter in to a passage, point A, and a passage takes you to point B. These are living words with power. They, they actually, they're fluid. They have movement. They, they create breakthrough. There's a reason they're called passages. They move people, situations, things, bondages, things you're wrestling with. They move them out of your life. You're freed up by a passage. And I can almost feel the tension. I can almost feel the tug of war for some of you where there are things that are pleasurable to your flesh and the ungodly nature of us. It's like Paul saying, what I don't want to do, I do. And, you know, what I really want to do is not do those things anymore. Can anybody relate to this? Come on, in the human side of things. But the good news is, and I want to encourage, I want to encourage you, men, women, boys, girls, whoever, people of God, that we can get free. I mean, I'm really fighting. My heart is really fighting for your freedom. I want to hear your testimonies about breakthrough and conquering and overcoming, and I want to cheer with you and thank God with you. None of us have to be stuck. That's what all of this is saying. We don't have to be stuck. And so let's look at Hebrews 4.12 as we talk about the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 from the Amplified. My gosh, that's just verse 12. Boy, the Amplified's quite amplified, isn't it? So, for the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. The word of God. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a personal and of... Uh, of a person of both joints and, and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God. There's a couple of things. Really up at the upper part of 412, it says the word of God. The word of God. 
is powerful, it operates, it's active, it's alive, it's as sharp as any two-edged sword. I can think of two pictures of a two-edged sword in Scripture right now, and I'm certain there's more. But two of them that come to me is the armor of God in chapter 6 of Ephesians, the sword of the Spirit, is a two-edged sword. It's the, it's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. It's the only offensive piece of the armor of God that you put on. All this is defensive and deflects and protects us, but the Word of God is offensive. It's intended to be used to cause us not to hunker down and fend things off, but it's intended to help us move ahead and make progress and advance. And so we see these things. And then Isaiah 55, 10, and 11 says this. And you're familiar with these passages, but we're looking at them and remembering together. For the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, making it bare and, and sprout and provide seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so will my word be which goes out of my mouth, God says. It will not return to me void, useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. I don't know about you, I get excited when I read that. See, I'm already convinced. I know the Bible's true. See, if you're, you need to get to that place. These are not just words. This is not random stuff. This, these are living words. So it excites me when I read it. My gosh, there's a promise that has power pent up in it. And it says, when the word goes out, there's power in it. So that's stirring me. I hope it encourages you. And uh, so as we couple decrees with the word of God, there's potential and life, situ life and situation change and power right there resident in it decreeing plus the word of god which is alive let's look at proverbs 18 21 more more from the word about the word proverbs 18 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words wow wow i just i just think that this is way beyond random there's too many times that the word keeps saying the same thing about itself. And God is not misleading us when we read these things. In fact, he's leading us when we read these things. He's prompting us to do it. I'm here to say, I believe it. And I'm encouraging us, let's all be decreeing the word of God on a daily basis. Because we're certainly feeding ourselves at least three squares a day. Why not be decreeing the spiritual part of us that lives forever on a daily basis? and see if there isn't a breakthrough. And so that's Proverbs 18. Hebrews 10, 23 is yet another. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, God, who promised, is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Promises about the promises. It's so good. So here's some examples. Let me just give you a couple examples on how I put this into practice. Um, and, and they're not all PowerPointed. One of them is, but I'll just say this off the cuff here. Proverbs 11.21, Prover and I'll paraphrase it. Proverbs 11.21 says, the seed of the righteous will be delivered. Now, my wife and I have three adult daughters, and they have, and there's some grandchildren in the mix too. That's seed of righteousness. How is that? Well, A, my wife and I find ourselves righteous First and foremost and primarily because we're in Christ and he's our righteousness. So we, we're identified as the righteous, number one. Number two, at any point in time when we're sin-stained or soiled, I don't waste any time about waiting to be 
purified and cleansed of all unrighteousness because 1 John 1, 9 says he's faithful and just to purify and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I do not want to go to sleep and let the sun go down on me without talking to God about where I might be sin-soiled and I need to be cleansed. How about you? Let me just say this. Don't go to bed tonight or any night if there's something that you need to get current with God about. Amen? We just need to. If we don't, we're vulnerable. If we don't, there's a chink in our armor. There's more to the armor than a two-edged sword. There's armor we put on. And if we're not getting current with God, the breastplate of righteousness really, in effect, in some area, is a breastplate of unrighteousness because we're not current with God and there's a chink or a vulnerability. Can you track with me on that? Amen? So we need to be current before the sun goes down. I mean... As it relates to men and me talking to the men recently about purity, let me just tell you this. In Timothy, when Paul talks to Timothy in the word of God, he says, husbands, make sure you're current with your wife because if you don't, when you pray, your prayers could be hindered. So, I mean, that's just one of many. Isaiah talks about the heavens are brass because we're not current with God in effect is what it says. So, a, I don't know about you, I want to be current with God because that's the most important thing with me. And as a child of God, I don't want to disappoint my Heavenly Father and be out of line. And I, I'm not saying I don't ever get out of line. I'm human. I certainly do. But when I become aware that I am out of line, I quickly want to say, God, forgive me. Wash me clean. I know you're willing. And he does. And then I'm in correct standing, not just to receive blessing, which I'm open to, but just to be in relationship that's not unbroken any longer. Amen? And then you're positioned for blessing. And we need blessing in this world we live in. We need his protection. We need his intervention. So here's some of the ideas. So Proverbs 11:21, the seed of the righteous will be delivered. From that standpoint, then, I do this. Loved ones in my life that I'm praying to be saved. I want their name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want them to spend eternity in heaven and not hell, just straight up speaking. And so regularly I'll say, Father in heaven, you said in Proverbs eleven twenty two, your living word says the seed of the righteous will be delivered. I'm praying that they would find themselves saved with their names written in the Lamb book of life based on your promise. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you to perform it as I decree your word, bring deliverance into their life in Jesus name. Amen. And then it's up to God. And I believe God will do it. And I don't just do it once. I'm staying with it because somewhere I read in the book where Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I want to encourage us today, whether it's for us personally or those immediately with us or those that are farther out that we're contending for, we have a responsibility now that we're redeemed on their behalf to contend for them because I'll bet a lot of us, someone was contending for us. And so... That's Proverbs eleven twenty one. Isaiah 49, 25 is another one. It's not up here. But I, Isaiah 49, 25 says this. God will contend with those that contend with you and his children, he will, your children, he will save. It says it in Isaiah 49, 25. He says, I will contend with those that contend with you and your children, I will save. And so I remember that one. And so as soon as I'm done with Proverbs 11, 21, and I said, yeah, and you said it again in Isaiah 49, 25, you'd contend with whatever's contending with us and our children would also find themselves saved. And so I decree it as a living word activated on behalf of, and I put the names in there and I encourage you to do the same. 
it's better than just going, I sure hope they come around. And it's okay, we can pray that they'd come around, but we can be even more deliberate about whomever coming around. Amen? God's given us things to do. And then finally, Job 22:30. we've already looked at it. Let's see it again. It says, he will even rescue the one for whom you intercede. That means pray. Who was not innocent, he will be rescued through the cleanness of your hands. And our hands are clean because we're in Christ and we're current with him. And so you get the idea. The promises of God, the power of God's word, the operation and activity of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises. I've named a few things today. You might not be struggling with any of those things, but in our human experience, we bump up against stuff we struggle with. And so whatever it is, you know, it's amazing anymore. And I'm surprised by this sometimes. I'll have people, people that walk with the Lord for a lot of years ask me, hey, pastor, what's a good verse for? And I can tell them if I can think of it. But when I want a good verse for, I start mining. I call it mining. I start digging, and heck, we've got Google. We can really dig, right? I mean, Google, you can type in scripture on, Bible verse on, and so it will require a little work, but to me, it's exciting to type that in and look it up and find an exhaustive list of verses that have to do with a particular situation. And I just want to encourage us, go for it. Go for it. We're probably Googling a lot of other stuff, and we're hoping that situations change, but I'm trying to shift Let's vest some time where it's really eternally has consequence and makes a difference. And so God's prompting us, I believe, to that end this morning. Uh, let me finish with a few things here this morning. First of all, God's word is eternal. Do you believe that's true? Then you believe the Bible. Because it says in 1 Peter 1.25, God's word endures forever. And in Matthew 24.35, it says, heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away. We're talking, you know, we're eternal. I've already identified that we're already on eternity. There's only two directions we can land. Probably should go like this. There's only two directions we can land. Is that not right? We're already engaged, all right? But so not only are we eternal, the word's eternal. The word is, that's, that's amazing to think about that it won't change. It's, 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 the Bible says it's firmly established in heaven, the word of God. The grass and the flowers will wither, but the word of God is forever, Isaiah 40 says. Let me shift to something else here. But it's staying on topic. Um, well, let me say this. If you, gave someone, if you gave someone that could study things through a microscope and they could identify them, if you gave someone an onion and said, I know you're trained in observing things in a microscopic way. What is this? And they peel the skin off an onion, they put it in the microscope, they look at it and they go, we're looking at an onion. And then if you took a coring tool and you went deep into the middle of the onion and pulled it out and said, well, what about that? And they looked at it, they'd say, yeah, that'd be an onion. And, and the reason I'm saying that is that John 3.16 is the skin in a sense. Because when you turn to chapter 3 of John, the 16th verse, we know what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the skin of the onion. That's the surface. That's the statement. It's in black and white. We read it. It's very clear. I'm trying to make a point about how deep the truth of God's word runs. The things we're speaking about this morning. So if in, in Genesis, the fifth chapter of Genesis... There's a genealogy, and it runs from Adam to Noah. You can find it if you go to Genesis 5, 
it'll, it'll talk about Adam, and it runs through 10 generations and comes all the way down to Noah in Genesis chapter 5. And then each one of those names in those generations have a definition. For instance, we see that Adam, uh, we've probably known this, but Adam's name means man, the definition of his name, Adam, man. And he had a son, Seth, and Seth's name means appointed. And you can go right on down. Keep going. Enosh, mortal, keep going quickly for me. And Canaan, sorrow, Mahalalel, blessed God, Jared, shall come down. Enoch, teaching, Methuselah, his death, Lamech, the, pre the despairing, Noah, rest or comfort. Okay, so each one of their names have a meaning. And I'm talking about an onion, and I'm talking about the truth, and I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about John 3.16 that makes a statement but take the definitions of a name. In the, in the order that they were born, from father to son, as it kept going down, I need you to look at the screen to read what it says. So give me the paragraph. Man appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the despairing comfort or rest. If you're here this morning, see, first of all, we're different because when I first heard that, I was like doing cartwheels. I don't know about you, but game's over when I come in to revelation like that. If there's any doubt, when I come into that kind of revelation, it's like, you know what? If I'm looking for truth and I found that, I know I found truth. I'm walking in it. I'm going to walk in it. It was those kind of revelations that caused me to go, my trek for truth is over. I found it. Fulfilled prophecy in the Bible all the fulfilled prophecies about Jesus, when those came to light, I said, look, the trek for truth is over. This is unmistakable. This has the fingerprints of God all over it. I guess what I'm trying to do is charge you this morning. Don't you dare be a passive Christian anymore. I'm prompting you because I love you and I want to see you in victory and I want to see the loved ones that are important to you in victory and in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? It's these sort of revelations. And so you say, well, how does that fit with what you're saying? I'm just saying it further confirms that these words are full of life, that they're the truth. I don't care how deep you go into it or how surfacey you go into it. The whole thing has truth written all over it. It's the truth and it's alive and it's powerful and it will operate on behalf of you, your family, your loved ones, and your situations. We put this to work in our life. It's really part of the same message that pastor's been bringing us about the Holy Spirit, about seeking God's face. This is further a way God says you can walk in victory. There's not one way, there's many ways. And today we're hearing more about it. And so let me challenge you this as I wrap this up. I'm gonna challenge you. Today is June 6th. Tomorrow, of course, is the 7th. You might pick June 10. All I'm challenging you is this. The 4th of July is Independence Day and it's coming up. And rather than hearing this message and hearing it, I'm, I'm encouraging us to be doers of it too. What if, what if you pick a date and you say, at this date in June, I'm going to begin selecting some scriptures as it relates to situation A, B, C, or X, Y, Z, and I'm going to begin praying and decreeing these words on, that, on behalf of that scenario, and I'm going to stay with it through, I hit the tape on the 4th of July, and see if I don't see a change, because I'm proclaiming and decreeing and speaking to the mountain, and speaking the truth of God, and seeing if it doesn't make a change. I'm, I'm challenging you to 
to stay with it. Because look, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, sound mind, and self-discipline. If we would be self-disciplined to do this, I think we'd see a change. I encourage you, some point in June, pick a day and start doing it. Because we're certainly picking times to feed ourselves physically. But man does not live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I'm encouraging you to begin feeding yourself like you never have the spiritual side of your nature. And see if it doesn't change you, those closest around you, that you're vying for. Because whether they realize it or not, they're even counting on us as we count on God and the truth of his word. Amen? I believe this is what God would speak to us today. Remember that the word is living and God loves us, and he wants us to be victorious, and he's speaking to us yet again today on how that can happen. I'm going to seal this up in prayer, but I'd like to ask the worship team if they would come forward. We'll also close with a worship song, but I want to pray. Uh, so if you would join me prayerfully here, I want to seal that word up. Father, I thank you for your holy word. I pray that we would not only hear the word, but we would be doers also. And uh, I pray that you'd remind us, and we trust, we trust you. You said if we were fully committed to you, that you'd make a show of your strength on our behalf. So I pray for a show of your strength on our behalf as we lean into you, we lean into your word, and we trust you that as we near the 4th of July and beyond, that we'll have independence and freedom like we've never known before. We'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We pray these things with faith and expectation, and great thanks. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said.